Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Lila Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show into our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. And uh, yes, I always want to repeat that fact because it is our goal to make a difference with uh, educating people, enlightening them, uh, essentially talking about the issues uh, uh, in the aftermath and the impact and very often um, topics that other people don't talk about. And that's what makes this show so special. So, um, Hey there, hi there, ho there. This morning, uh, welcome from uh, snowy Connecticut, and um, I think it's a little better there in South Carolina. Good morning, uh, Delilah. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. The sun is out. It's a it's a great day, and ready to uh, get on the air here. Um, I'm I'm just really pleased every time we have Dwayne Bowers on because he just brings a load of good information um, that we can all take away from the show and, and do something positive with not only our own lives, but the lives of all of those people around us. So um, this, this show is uh, just like the rest. It's going to, it's going to give our listeners um, a great sounding board and, and a lot of good information. Well, I think so. And Delilah, I'm just wondering with your, you know, full-time um, endeavor of being on social media. Have you seen all of the, you've seen all of the hysteria kind of permeate after the election? And uh, I want to let people know this show is not about politics per se, but it's sort of a, a springboard for our topic. Well, and, you know, not only the election, I mean, even before the election, you know, it, it seems like there's always people out there who, who, for some reason, like to post the gloom and doom and and hysteria of the world. And I think that's one of the downsides of social media is that all of the bad news comes very quickly and we don't see very much of the good news that, you know, the good things that are happening in our world. So, you know, I think it's, it, it, it really has uh, created, that mass um, 
I don't think it's a mass hysteria, but the whole, um, I'm trying to think of the word and it's not coming, but <laughs> I think you get my drift. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, you know, it again, not our culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And it's just, you know, I've, I've always said social media is a double-edged sword and unfortunately the negative tends to cut a little deeper. Yeah. So we're going to learn a lot about that today. Um, and uh, but before we address that, and I want to, you know, introduce our frequent guests. So frequent, maybe we need to sign them on as an employee, as we were saying off air. Dwayne Bowers, licensed professional counselor, has many many um, talents um, and skills to offer. Um, and we will be sure to <clears throat> give you his contact information later. But um, Dwayne, thank you so much for being so giving to the show and and offering your insight into so many things. I just thought this was a very valuable show to to do because people really do not understand the morass that we're caught in here. So welcome That's- once again to Shattered Lights Radio. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me on, Donna. Hi, Delilah. Good to be with both of you again. Um, and, and I enjoy doing this show, and I think the show is, is vital in helping people understand situations and, and things that happen. So anytime I can be of, of help and value, I, I would be more than happy to. So Well, so. well that's great. Um, you know, before we delve into this, I just want to acknowledge, because as you know, I am from the state of Connecticut. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, we had a very important um anniversary observation just a few days ago and it was the fourth anniversary of the Sandy Hook Newtown massacre and for people that did not know and I mean virtually I think this was a very big wake-up call and turning point in our in our nation and ultimately it did change our culture too so we are on topic here Dwayne but I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that um, when this happened I believe it was on a Friday and there was mass hysteria, Delilah, no doubt. And I just was able to pick up the phone, and Dwayne answered the call. He was willing to go on the air. And we virtually had no information because it was the next day. And we were trying to figure this out, and I did put up the show. It is a wonderful show. You know, in the very acute phases of something like that. So I wanted to acknowledge that. and wanted to ask you if you had any particular thoughts about what we did that day or um, just uh, maybe do you think in general in terms of maybe culturally, what have we learned after four years? And then we can kind of do, segue into this topic. Um, I, I think Sandy Hook did, did a number of things for us culturally. First of all, it showed that children are um, no less targets than adults. And that actually, if a terrorist wants to harm a culture or a people, they should go after the children. When I went to Kosovo, one of the things that we saw a lot of was the landmines in the schools and whatever. And landmines aren't meant to kill, they're meant to maim. The idea being um, to injure the children, to damage the children will damage the culture. And so it kind of brought that to, to reality for us. And, and when we look at it, did anything change? Well, on a big scale, you know, a lot of people are saying, no, nothing changed. There's no new laws. There's no new whatever. Honestly, there has been a lot of change. If, you, oh, yeah. if, you're, a partic- if you're a principal in a school, 
you think completely differently about the security of your school now than you did before that. Um, first responders, the, and, and I mentioned this in our show, I was thinking a great deal about those first responders, those volunteer fire people who had to literally lay out the children's bodies in the fire department and take the parents through to identify their kids. These, these, law, these, these first responders had no training in doing this and the impact it had on them. So there's much more training now for, for um, first responders on trauma and returning to tr uh, dealing with traumatic responses. So um, I, I, I think many things have changed microcosmically, perhaps not macro, but, but certainly the way we look at kids, kids' safety, schools, and then look at the perpetrator. The perpetrator wasn't, um, uh, it didn't fit a profile, let's put it that way. And it made us realize that anyone can be a perpetrator. And so I think it really did shift our culture and certainly shift the way we looked at security for our children. So a lot of positive did come out of it, though it wasn't what a lot of people were pushing for, national laws and stuff. Right. And um, a lot of it is dependent upon, um, you know, lack of funding. Our, our state is, is in dire straits with regard to that. So there's still a lot of good intentions, but for lack of funding. Um, mm -hmm. with, with regard to, you know, the, the, the topic that we are delving into today, I, I don't think, at least before I spoke with you a few weeks ago, I did not have even maybe a working knowledge of this. Um, so, and, you know, you say, well, anyone anyone could potentially be this kind of perpetrator. Maybe, I don't know if we can go so far as to say anyone could be president, but that's the prime example of what we're we're going to talk about today with regard to cultural trauma. What, um, and, and the whole focus of we are facing the fear of the unknown. So tell us, Dwayne, what is cultural trauma? <laughs> I love the way you said that. So tell us, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> so so like, what I want to do first is I want to define culture. Um, and, and I have uh, a, a couple in front of me, so I'm just going to read them. They're very short. Culture is defined okay. as the... The culture is defined as the shared patterns of behavior and interactions, cognitive constructs, and effective understanding that are learned through the process of socialization. What is that saying? It is the way we think, feel, and act, and it's taught to us, not didactically, not in a classroom, but it's taught to us through life experience. The way we learn culture is by the affirmation of other people of our behavior and of our beliefs and of our thoughts or the rejection of them. I mean, people, we learned a whole lot more from that look that mom gave us when we giggled in church and that look told us not acceptable. Wait till mm -hmm. we get home, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so that's how we were taught by the, the rejection or the, the, the reinforcement that culture. And so, Let's look at culture as being the way that we think, feel, and act based on our beliefs. And it's our beliefs that are so important. And we have a shared belief system with our culture. Now, understand there are subcultures underneath that that are based on geography and race and, and, and uh, ethnicity and religion and whatever. But we're talking here today about the culture of this country and how it is being shifted. So when we talk about cultural trauma, we're looking at, 
uh, trauma is kind of defined as as being um, a reaction to um, a threat to our integrity or our our very life. Well, we're looking at a threat to the integrity of the culture. Now, please don't take that as being right or wrong. And I want to make this point. I'm not saying any of these shifts are right or wrong. Who knows? Um, from our own perspective, it would be we would look at it as being wrong, but in the long term, we have no idea. So I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong, and I'm certainly not looking at this politically. But what has happened is the current, the, the, the shift has been brought about primarily by the campaign and, and the subsequent um, uh, activities that we have seen. But, and Delilah made a good point, this shift has, has been going on for a while. This is not new. What has happened is the current situation has been able to take what was already happening and uh, kind of engross it or, or, or make it even bigger. So had there not been some foundation laid before the campaign or before the election, this could not have happened. So it didn't happen in a vacuum. So <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, the cultural <laughs> trauma is. <laughs> Mhm. Well, now now that we kind of have that as a as a as a backdrop, um, you know, is this something that sociologists study? And I, I my understanding is there's not too much research on this, right? Well, I think you would look at social anthropology as being the the area of of uh, study that would look okay. at shifts in culture. Um, and, and yes, it is, uh, uh, for them, it is uh, a topic that they study all the time and, and um, you hear about. And, and the reason I think this is important is because I think so many things are changing for us right now and people are kind of, well, think about this, culture, our beliefs, our thoughts, our feelings, what we have learned, how we've learned to think and feel gives us a stability. When something comes along and says, no, you have to change all that, we don't have that stability to fall back on, and so now we flounder a little bit. And so not, so we kind of revert to fear, I think. And so the reason I think this is so important is to understand it's not politics that has called this, caused this, and it's not one person, and it is our culture. And if people can understand it's a cultural response, it actually gives them a little more power to respond to it in a way that uh, can take away the fear. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. Okay. Well, with regard to um, people who are already vulnerable, you know, as an example, I always try to bring it around to um, people who are crime victim, victims because that's what we're about here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. primarily. If you know, sometimes their lives are a house of cards, and uh, other times they're stronger. It depends on the person. So when this cultural shift occurs, and here they have this framework and this stability, you know, they thought that they could operate in, or maybe they were one of the people such as I, and I, I'm not making a political statement as to what I agree with or what I don't, but I'm always for positive, good change. Um, suddenly this, you know, this upheaval that occurs in our culture uh, as a you know, and this was the catalyst. How would that affect somebody that is already reeling from some other kind of trauma or crime or 
you know, other dysfunction or whatnot? How does that play out for people like me or people who are less resilient, should we say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So people who are less resilient are already struggling with their belief system being assaulted. You know, bad things don't happen to good people. Um, This could never happen to me. Um, They're facing a reality that never existed for them before after a crime. And so they're already reeling with... um, their own values and their own belief system being assaulted. And now, so, so honestly, when, when personally our belief system is, is assaulted, we turn to a bigger structure to give us a sense of hope and a sense of, of, of stability. Some people turn to the church. Some people uh, uh, turn to, to community um, uh, organizations and that sort of thing. But we, we, trust that our culture has things that will make sure that while I'm reeling, the bigger picture will stay, stay uh, stable. And that's not, that's not the case right now. I, I actually kind of have examples of what I'm talking about, looking at it from three different um, perspectives. Um, the first one is, is just how we look at the government. Now, again, I want to say to you, we're not talking politics. I'm talking about how do I as an individual, what are my beliefs about my government? What are my, my feelings about the government? What have I always believed about my government that may suddenly be shifting? And one of those things, and again, I'm not being political. I'm just stating fact. I've always believed that we live in a government by the people. But when I'm told that 3 million people voted for someone who did not win, I have to question that. Now, nothing has changed there. Nothing legally has changed. Nothing policy has changed. But I'm forced to look at something that says, well, wait a minute. The majority doesn't rule. It is not a government by the people. It's run by something different. So my belief system, I have to start shifting my belief system to say, okay, um, what has happened here, and, and my government isn't what I believed it to be. Um, and this new situation, I came up in an era where we literally had bells go off in our school and we were to hide under our desks in order to protect ourselves from a nuclear bomb. We actually believed that if we ran into the hallway and put our head between our knees, we would survive a nuclear blast. All right? We had bomb drills. There was a Mm -hmm. whole era of digging bomb shelters when our government believed that there was an external force that was threatening us. We went to these extremes, and now we look at a situation where a foreign government may have influenced the way that an election went, and we're hearing a lot of verbal stuff, but it's not from our politicians. It's not from our government. We're kind of sitting here going, what are you going to do about this? You know, th- again, I'm, I'm not talking the politics. I'm talking we as individual people believe our government's going to protect us from the outsiders, but we don't see anything happening. And so we have to again say, wait a minute. My beliefs about my government have to shift because my government's not doing what I thought they would, what I believed they would. Um, and again, this is And not- our government is radically changing, so that's the exactly. thing too, right? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And again, I'm not talking about the laws and I'm not talking about the policies. I'm talking about its behavior 
and and how I believed it it should have behaved. This isn't legal. This isn't politics. This is culture. The way things are, happen. And another thing is the symbols of uh, of of leadership for us. We have always believed that the president should have a certain educational background, a certain um, cultural background. We, we, we have always anticipated that our president um, came from a certain place and, and did certain things before they became president. This is no. It has changed. The one thing every president has ever had in my lifetime is that they've been elected to something before they became president. So now... We look at a president who we say, this is different. This has changed. Look at the first lady. We have always believed that the first lady should come from a certain background, should have done certain things in her life and earned her living in a certain way and, and have a certain educational background. This is different. This is shifting. My, my, what I believe and what I thought about a first couple has now had to shift. Now, this isn't law. This isn't politics. This isn't policy. It is the way we believe about things. Look at the first family. We've always believed that the first family was not directly involved in, in the politics. In fact, there were some people who feel that if they are, it starts to look like a, a dictatorship or whatever. We've mm-hmm. never had a, a first family be involved in governing before. And we're seeing a shift in that. We're seeing the adult children being involved in some of pretty major meetings and whatever. We're having this isn't a change in, in law, this isn't a change in policy, but it is a change of the way we look at the first family. And I really think one of the big ones, the White House. We have always viewed the White House as the place where the president lives. We provide this house for the president to live in, to be an example to other countries, to entertain people from other countries. The White House is a major symbol for us, and it's not going to be used. And so, again, we have to shift our thinking about that. Now, I'm not saying this is good, bad, or whatever. I'm just saying these basic symbols are shifting. And so the way we think and the way we feel has to shift with it. And I think these are some of the things that that we're looking at. Now, the most important area is the way that we are interacting with each other. And I think this is the real scary thing for for many of us. We, We now have a climate that says it's okay to see the differences between other people and judge them for it. And based on that, change our behavior toward them. And, and we've seen an increase in um, people being confronted on a bus because of, of, of what they may be wearing or because of their religion or seeing, seeing churches being, uh, graffiti being painted on churches, whatever. And, and, and it's, we've always had hate behavior, but what's different this time is somebody's name is being used. This person's name allows me to do this. And unfortunately, we're not seeing leadership saying, stop this. This is inappropriate. This is not acceptable. This behavior is not what I was pushing. And so when people don't hear somebody saying, stop, when society, when our culture is not giving us the mama stare and saying, "Uh -uh, (laughs) uh-uh, not acceptable, Mm -hmm. then it means it's okay. And so this is what I think on 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 a 
frontline level is really um, affecting a lot of people is the way we're interacting with each other. Um, disrespect of women to a point, and again, it wasn't, you know, so so a nasty statement was made and recorded without the person knowing. Um, that wasn't the big deal. The big deal was when they were confronted with that statement, how did they respond? It wasn't, oh, that was a horrible thing for me to say, I'm very, very sorry, or whatever. It was, it was sort Not of... Real. It, it, it was a sort of a left-handed apology of, well, you know, I was younger then um, kind of thing. And I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make it right or wrong. I'm just saying look at the difference. So that kind of made it okay. And so this is what we are reacting to. So when our very thoughts and feelings and beliefs about how to live our lives are changing on all these different levels, of course we're afraid of the future. Of course we don't know what to expect. Boy, I've been – okay, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but I well, wanted to really – because we, we know where you're coming from here, and it, it, it makes sense. I mean, I did hear Mr. Trump say to Leslie Stahl for them that he wasn't aware to tell them to stop it, that these things aren't – but he's not saying it consistently, okay? And mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. seems like to me – and again, to use this as the springboard, um, there's some moderation in points that were made before the election as opposed to now. Now he's backing off some of these strong stances because you have to. Politics is a game. And you say certain things, I guess, to get elected. I don't know. But so if you're taking a hard line, there's still a hard line in certain things. There's backing off on other things. And, and yes, When it comes down to, like, personality, for someone that wants to be a president, whether it's Hillary or Donald or anybody, what what is a personality type for someone that wants to be president? Or is it all about narcissism? And why do they want to do it? Oh, boy, are you putting me on a hot seat? (laughs) (laughs) I do think there has to. I do think there has to be a, a certain element of a narcissism, and I'm saying that positively. I think you have to truly believe that you can do that job and that you can be the center of uh, the democracy of the world in order to even put yourself in that position. So, yeah, I yep. think there has to be some narcissism, and you have to believe that the system is there to serve you to a certain degree, or you can't function well as a leader. I think that's true in military officers. I think that's true of anybody in a leadership role. There has to be a certain amount of narcissism. If you don't believe in you and that you're kind of the center of the universe, how are other people going to do that? So, yeah, I think narcissism is, is an important element. When you use that narcissism, it's what your intention for that narcissism is. I believe you must serve me so that I can serve the country to the best of its ability is is one thing. I need you to serve me so I can serve myself and my interests to the best of my ability is something else. I want to make one more point. Delilah brought this up. Of, of this is not new and it's been moving. I want you to look at the change of culture in, in our government as far as I think we, we were raised to believe that our government, our, our elected officials in the, the Congress will work to the best, for the best of the country. And what we have seen recently is 
the members of Congress working to the best of their party. When a, when a Congress says we are going to block everything that this person tries to put out and openly says that, that's a shift in the way I look at my government. My government's never done that before. Now, yeah, there's been – they vote on things politically and by their party. I get that. But when you say, no, we're not going to do anything – we're not going to do what we are supposed to do as far as nominations and whatever. I have to shift my thinking about my government. So this happened way before we even got into that the, the stage has been set for some years now to allow this to happen. And, and Delilah made that point. Yeah. Um, you know what I think would also be helpful um, is for us to understand the different decision-making progress, uh, process with regard to um, a, a business, the business culture versus a political culture and how things, I mean, for those of us that watched Mr. Trump's show, and I was one of them, I was kind of, it was kind of fascinating. There was a leadership role and, and all of that, but what would be the differences in how it impacts our culture and this trauma we're feeling from a, a business person's perspective versus a career politician, Dwayne? Um, both of them are a business, and we need to accept that. Politics is a business. Capitol Hill is a business. And I live in the D.C. area. I see this all the time. To be elected, and of course with no, no term limits, a person can be in the business their entire adult life. Um, so, so they're both a business. It's a matter of what is my product and, and who does my product affect, I think is the difference. So when you're in a business, of course, you've got a board of directors, you've got, um, uh, people who invest in your business, you've got the, 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 they are the ones you answer to first and then your customers second. Um, I think Unfortunately, we've come to see that our government has also kind of adopted the, okay, we take care of the people who, have, who funded us, the PACs and the, um, uh, the, you know, the political action committees and, and, and the people who funded us. We have to take care of them first and then the rest. But I think, um, I, I think what we are afraid of, perhaps, is that moving forward, we're going to have someone who never really considers the customer, the, 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 the country, the people, but, but is going to function in a way that benefits uh, the few. And I think, I think a lot of people are concerned about that, and, and, and I don't know if that's an appropriate concern or not, but it is, it, it, the government is a business, and, and Quite honestly, mm-hmm. who knows? Running it as a business might be preferable might, to to what has happened the before. Maybe where the people are the product to make them happy. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that that this kind of a shift is is going to have a positive impact. Yes, it's going to have a negative as well. Uh, and just because we're we're so uncomfortable with this, it's like walking. Yes with the shoe, your shoes on the wrong feet or something, you know, yes, yes, I, I try yes. to make a metaphor. <laughs> you know? No, you're absolutely oh, right. You and that, that is. Go ahead, Delilah. Mm-hmm. I was yes, just going to yes, ask, Delilah. do you, don't you feel that a lot of this would still have happened had the election gone the other way? Um, just from things that I saw pre-election, it, you know, we really, we, we kind of had to look at what's the lesser of two evils here. 
I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's my political mm-hmm. stand. But you know, I'm someone right. who's who's definitely not political. But from what I've seen posted over and over and over again before the election even happened, I think we would still be in this in the same fear mode um, had the election gone the other way. I think with both candidates that we had to choose from, there wasn't someone we felt safe with. And I I think that's what's causing a lot of the fear. I agree with that. I would suggest something a little bit different. Had Bernie become the uh, candidate for the Democratic Party, that would have been a major culture shift in exactly the opposite direction than we are going now. And that would have really shifted our culture, too. And there would have been people, conservatives and, and, and people, who would have been equally uncomfortable with what he was representing had it gone that way. I think Hillary was more the status quo, and I think, yes, there would have been changes and whatever, but I think it would have just delayed this bigger shift. I honestly believe we were up for a shift, and, and I, know, no, I don't know necessarily it was this direction that we were up for, but I think people were ready for a change, and I don't think they would have gotten a big change with Hillary because she was much more um, – and in person, she, 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 it would have been much more government as, as usual, I think. Um, right. So, um, so, so I think, I think, I think, honestly, we were ready for a cultural shift. Which way it goes was represented by who got elected, and um, of course, there will be a counter shift after this, regardless of what happens with this administration eventually we will swing the other way. We always do. But what's different this time is it isn't the politics that's going to swing. It's going to be the culture. And that's what I find so fascinating about what's happening. It's how we think about things and how we believe about things. It's changing, not necessarily the politics. We've all seen politics go between liberal to conservative before, and we've survived it. We haven't gotten this upset about that. This is and about how about just- accountability? Aren't we going to demand more accountability now, you know, versus, you know, oh, well, this is status quo. We don't have anybody to vote for. Let's just do the same as we always have. We're not going to, we're not going to behave that way anymore, are we? I, I kind of disagree, just based really? on what I'm seeing. Based on what I'm seeing, we're not holding people accountable. We should be holding our government accountable for what's for the for this hacking that we think has happened. We should be holding honestly the people who have voted uh, uh, Donald Trump in should be holding him accountable. He has now said, "Oh well, I only said um, uh, lock her up. Uh, just that was just to get elected." I mean, he's he's made right. that statement on a few things that were fundamental to a lot of the people that voted for him. They should be right. holding him accountable. Um, you know, so so we're not. And, and I think uh, I, 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 I think we're not holding our, our government accountable as we should. We need to be, but it's still the transition period. I, mm-hmm. I think I will be a lot more um, dissatisfied if when he actually gets elected and then every, he goes against everything that he did say. In a transition period, there's like all kinds of shifts and changes, and so – no matter what President Obama does right now, it's just window dressing, and he's going out. So I'm kind of waiting for the next chapter after the inauguration, and that'll be, for me, the brass tacks of what's really going to go on. I mean, I don't know. But 
But let me take it back to culture. I don't think we can hold people accountable until we understand what it is we are supposed to think, feel, and act. That's what's changing. And because it's changing, we don't know what the new culture is. What is what's going to be acceptable as far as our behavior? What is going to be acceptable as far as our belief system about people different than ourselves, about other governments? Um, all of that is shifting, so we can't really hold anyone. We can't give the mama look when we don't know what is the accepted behavior. All right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so true. I think there. I think I think there's not going to be accountability until people are feeling more comfortable in, okay, what is acceptable now, and are are our leaders giving us what 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 they said was acceptable? Are they actually doing it? And then we may start holding them accountable. Right. Well, just and to kind of switch the just to kind of switch the pace a minute. Um, do you feel like incidents like Sandy Hook and which was such a tragedy and a tragedy against children. Um, but I, I th- just in my observation as well, even before Sandy Hook, you've got this generation of parents who have, again, in my opinion, I call them the helicopter parents with raising bubble children who, you know, it, it, it's just a, it's traumatic to get a scrape on the knee when you fall off your bike. And, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about these college-age kids who need to have trauma counseling because their candidate lost and hot chocolate and, you know, all of the comfort. It's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that part of the shift does concern me because, you know, I guess like you, I was raised in a totally different era. When you fell off the bike, you get back on and keep riding. It's, you know, mm-hmm. suck it up, mm-hmm. buttercup kind of an yeah. attitude. Um, and I'm just not seeing that with this generation of children coming up. What, yeah, what's your opinion point. on that, Dwayne? Is that a part of mm. the shift? Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think social media has done a great deal to prepare us for this shift. Look do you, do you rem- I mean, it just happened. Remember how social media was involved in the campaign. We'd never had that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's now acceptable to voice your opinion, no matter what it is, in that public forum, anonymously or by name. It, that's acceptable. It's acceptable for our kids to be exposed to this through social media. Um, yeah, this is all culture shift. And, and this was some of the foundation that was already in place that allowed this big shift that we're facing now to happen. So on some level, we have to say we are all responsible for this because we did allow all of that stuff before to happen. And, of course, there have been a lot of people who have said, you know, my kids aren't on social media and, and, and I, my kids don't have a cell phone and all that to, to, to um, uh, protect their kids. But still, it is an accepted – social media is accepted. And um, it's part of life now. And, look, it is our leaders who are currently our, – our new leader who is using social media to communicate with the masses. He's using, using Twitter. Twitter, right. Yeah, but so he doesn't he's email. making it acceptable. <laughs> he's making it acceptable to utilize social media as a forum to communicate 
positives or negatives, um, even from a president-elect. So, yeah, look at, look at that shift. We would have never expected that from, from a leader, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, yeah, I, I'm right with you there. So what, what do we do? We can't say lock up all the electronics and it's going to go back to the days of, the days of old. I mean, no. I don't know. Is, is this, a, you know, um, a chicken little kind of thing? Or, you know, and is it just going to escalate to the point where we have no control? How do we calm people's souls? What do we, what do, we do? Uh, what do, we do to, make, to make people safe on a larger scale and a smaller scale, even in this transition until we see what's going on? Well, that's a good question. I think, I think that's really what this show is about is, okay, all this change is happening. I'm, I'm scared. I, I have fear about the future. What do I do? Here's what folks need to do. We need to be able, since, since it is the larger culture that's shifting, we need to go to our subcultures. We need to go to the places where others think, feel, and act the way we do now. But that's not good enough. We also need to question beliefs that we have. Um, I, I'll give you an example of how, how that affected me. So we had this big deal with, with, with uh, Trump talking to um, um, uh, not China, but to um, uh, help me Russia? here. Um, say Putin? again? Putin? Putin? I'm sorry? No, no, no. Putin? Talking to uh, not, not China, but um, um, I want to say Beijing, um, but that's China. Um, yeah. Talking to uh, Taiwan? Taiwan. Um, yeah. Taiwan, okay. And, and, you know, we've had, you know, decades of tiptoeing politically to, to maintain a certain relationship and whatever, and there's been a lot of hype and whatever. There was a part of me that said, well, is it time for that to change? So I think we need to individually look at the things that we've always held to be true and look at the ones and say, okay, yeah, I really do believe in this, and I believe that this is the way it should be, but also question some of our own beliefs and say, well, maybe it is time to let that one go. Maybe that's not so important anymore. And be with others. The important thing is to surround ourselves with others who think, feel, and act like we do, our subculture, whoever that is, and be connected to them and strengthen ourselves within that subculture because it's going to be the subcultures that um, are going to respond to whatever the bigger culture decides is acceptable. Um, and that's always the way it is, that if the bigger culture says it's acceptable to, let's say, marginalize certain people, then it's that subculture of people that's going to respond to that or the people who support them. So um, we need to connect with the people who believe like us, but we also need to look at our, our beliefs and, and not just say, oh, anything that changes is bad. No, not necessarily. And, um, and on social media, I think many of us already did this, there was so much hate um, going on on social media that I just unfriended not only the people that were for a party that wasn't mine, but I unfriended the people who supported the party I did who were also hateful. I just didn't want that hate. For me, 
hate does not fit in my norm. Hate mm-hmm. is one of the right. beliefs that I am not going to change. It is not right to hate somebody you don't even know and, and people who are different than yourself. That's just a belief of mine that will not change. I question that. I can look at it, but it will not change. And so I need to just let go of, of anything around me that's not supporting that. Um, because if so I we all need to do that then, right? I mean, to make well, us feel better so. if we're uncomfortable? Well, I think so. Until we are strong enough to be able to make a stand for it in a positive way. Arguing on Facebook is not going to change anybody's ideas. So I don't need to get into that, and I don't need to get my nerves all up about that. But if I feel strongly about if I see somebody confronting a person on the bus because of something they're wearing, I will step into that. I will step between them. I've read some things about how you, you, you do this. If you step between them so that they can't see each other, that person can't continue that discussion. Um, or start a conversation with that other person that's being sort of victimized so they ignore the one who is making those statements to just, I will do that. That's my belief. That's what I need to do. But I need to be able to be around other people to help support me in my belief system is all I'm saying. And so that's what we need to do individually um, Mm -hmm. to strengthen ourselves and to stop being afraid is to say, okay, who else believes like I do? Let me interact with them and let's come up with what's appropriate behavior in the face of the new culture. And that's what you're going to see happening. And that's how people are going to be held accountable, like you were asking earlier, Donna. Mm-hmm. Well, when you see the larger cultural construct, and then you bring it down to sort of what Delilah was talking about, to our, our, our youngest generation, and it comes down to the individual household, to me it's almost like in, in, in years past it was like, well, this is what's going on in society and mom, I want to do this because I want to keep up with the Joneses kind of thing. And they're doing this out there and you're not letting me. So there's that, that part of the argument there. This is what's going on outside of our household. And I don't want you to do that, even though it's happening out there. I mean, is, is that still going to always be a, um, <laughs> you know, that dichotomy there? Oh, welcome to being an adolescent. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 part of growing up is, is looking right. at family values and saying, I don't I don't accept this. I'm going out there and making my own way, and then learning that some of the family values were valid and some weren't. So I think that will always happen, and that's 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 a good thing. Um, I, 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 that's always been there. So yeah, I think I think that's going to always happen. That the subcultures are always going to raise their children within that subculture, and then the child has to make some decisions for themselves when they go out on their own. Absolutely, I did. Oh my God, the biggest fight my father and I ever had was about the Vietnam War, and he he he. I mean, it was a almost a violent fight um, because I said I was against it, and he said he was for it. You know, um, mm-hmm. so this is just part of a family growing. Right. The whole family well, had to grow. Here's here's a question for you out of the out of left field. And I just want to know what, what your thoughts would be. In in thinking about this whole cultural shift and we as I mean, we can choose to be a survivor here and I choose to be a survivor in this cultural shift. I'm not gonna be obsessed like a lot of other people are. Is Hillary a victim of her own making in some ways in this? 
cultural thing. Can you let's talk about that a little bit? We've got about it's uh, eleven forty-seven. Just to let you know um, yeah. our our time frame. Okay. I think the only thing Hillary is guilty. Well, I'm not going to say that. Sorry. Um, I think the biggest error Hillary may have made was not seeing that a shift was going to happen no matter what. It was already in place. The foundation was already moving us in that direction. And that she didn't present herself as having an option. And I agree with Delilah. It was a matter of, uh, I quite honestly wasn't all that taken with either one of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and she did not offer me a viable option to status quo. She didn't offer me if she was different than Trump, but she didn't give me an option to status quo. And we are, I'm telling you, we were already ready for the shift. So she didn't give me anything to shift to. And I think that's why Bernie was so popular. He, 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 he had a lot of peace, love, tie-dye ideas that may have been hard to enforce if he'd been elected, but he gave people an option, an alternative to shift to. So I think that's why he's still popular. So I think that would have been her bigger, biggest mistake, where she didn't read the fact that people wanted a shift. She had to present herself as being an element of that shift, whatever that would be. Um, Quite honestly, I think the time of the I think the time of the Clintons and the Bushes is over. You know, it used to be they were the powers in in the parties. Um, I think their time is over. And yes, Trump's done a lot to do that, but he has been the agent of change that was already starting to happen um, in, in our culture. Well, Dwayne, since you know you let the cat out of the bag that we're from the same era um, and protested <laughs> against the Vietnam War, yeah. you know we yeah. grew up in that time that was you know a time of upheaval, and yeah. I would say that was definitely another cultural shift, and oh, I yeah. think you'd probably agree with that. And so we've lived through something like that. Mm-hmm. We maybe have a better mm-hmm. understanding and less fear because we survived it we made it through we mm-hmm. we saw you know the civil rights movement the women's right. movement and right. you know riots burning and burning down cities in kent state and i mean how much worse can it get i mean i'm sure it right. could but hopefully yeah, it doesn't yeah. so how would you compare uh what's happening now to what happened then you know it's interesting isn't it that that shift was actually, in retrospect, uh, a shift toward liberalism, away from conservatism, away from the war, away from racism, away from um, uh, uh, sexism, uh, etc. I think what we're seeing in this one is the shift in the other direction, um, a shift toward more conservative views and values. Um, and with with that you know, people who, who lived through the era we lived through, who were the conservatives, probably felt very much like we feel now, seeing it shift the other way. So, um, I, I, I like you, I hope we don't have to go through riots and, and all of that loss of life that we did back then. But um, I think we're shifting back to a much more conservative, and we're going to see a more conservative era come into place. Um, and that's, I'm not saying that's either good or bad. I have personal opinions, but for this show, I'm not saying that's either good or bad. 
Yeah. Um, you know, on the on the state level, where our state legislators are going into session soon, like in our state in February, and since we've seen what's happened at the national level, I'm just wondering if you would predict that this cultural shift is also going to have a, a trickle-down domino effect with regard to what we do in our own immediate state, lo, you know, regional local environments that it's going to really permeate that, or does it really depend on who the leaders at the top are going to be, those 400 appointments in terms of how our culture really plays out? It's already happened. Look at North Carolina. Look at what they did yesterday. It's already started. Yes, this is Mm -hmm. going to be pervasive. It is a culture shift. Culture is pervasive. It, It doesn't just hit one group of people or one party or, or one region, it is pervasive. Our culture in our country is shifting, and we're seeing it. So, you know, North Carolina did, you know, cut because they didn't like the fact that they had a Democratic government uh, governor, um, the Republicans in control took away a lot of his power yesterday. Um, yes, we're going to see this. We're going to see this shift. Um, there's, there's no question in my mind. Again, it's going to be our subculture groups that are going to have to stand up and, 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 and say that's enough or there's a limit or, or in some way push back um, to, to, to keep things in some sense of balance. And again, I'm not saying good or bad, right or wrong. I'm just saying you're going to see more subcultures um, uh, making statements and, and, and pushing back. Um, just like they did uh, when the changes happened before, you know. Um, the reason the civil rights movement was uh, so violent was because of the pushback, because there were there were nonviolent leaders of that of that movement. But it was the pushback from the regional governments and from the local governments and police and whatever that it became violent. So yeah, we're going to see the same thing. But, but even if we project out in, in four years, though. Up- the culture, the way it is, if it's ra- radically changed, can't dissipate that quote quickly. But politics will change. But the cultural, even with this, the cultural remnants, even if we go back to very traditional means, that they will, they will, there'll be, um, you know, after effects of this. Right? Everything can't totally change around in four years, can it? Realistically. Oh, I think I think significantly enough, yes. But here's here's the big lesson out of all of this, and I think this is what has taken everyone by surprise, even those who are making the, the, the shift. This shift could not happen if there were not people who believed it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I think we 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 were we were very naive in thinking and I'm speaking for myself, um, you know, sexism is almost eliminated. Racism is almost eliminated. Uh, you know, homophobia is almost eliminated. I think we, we because we were seeing such major changes happening, we thought that kind of belief and that kind of thinking didn't exist. And I think the big surprise has been, hello, there is a large group of people who still have, those other beliefs and right. they were powerful enough to elect someone that they felt was speaking for them. While he, he may not have been in all cases, 
they felt he was coming closer to speaking for them than someone else. So I think that's the real surprise for everyone is there are, all, you know, so, so underneath it all where we thought major thinking had been changed, it hadn't. It was just quiet. And then it came to the surface because this shift was allowing it to come to the surface. Yeah, wow. It, 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 is, it is scary when you think about it in those terms, and that is really what, what has happened, a force to be reckoned with. But I have to believe, you know, we have to have that mentality of the glass is half full going forward, and somehow on our individual levels, um, we still have to keep fighting for what we feel is important. I can't, I can't be paralyzed by this. I have to still continue and do my Lady Justice things, don't I? On an individual level, what what would you advise us to do you other gotta, than you know unfriend I, people? What else can we do? I, and I go think, to I our think group? you're, I think you're right on target. We have to start with ourselves, and and we have to say. What do I believe to be true and what do I believe not to be true? And while I may not be able to change a government or even anyone else's opinion, I need to be able to live in my integrity. And I think the individual living within their own personal integrity in the way that they interact with people different than themselves, in the way that they um, uh, uh, view their government, in the way that um, the symbols of their government, if they still have respect for um, certain, you know, like the White House or whatever, they talk about that. They stay firm in their own personal beliefs and also find others of similar beliefs. Um, and so, but I think, our, our, I think what we have to start with is us individually. What do I believe to be true in the face of all of this? And if I continue to live my life by my principles, that empowers me. And if I find others that are doing the same thing, then I can connect with them and we become a little more powerful. And then if that group becomes bigger and bigger, we become a little more powerful. But the power is in me, not in other people joining me. In other words, I can't be powerful in a group. I will hide in a group for protection and not be powerful. I need to be powerful in me first and, mm-hmm. and live by my integrity. And this is good mental health no matter how you look at it. As long as I'm living my life by my integrity and my rules, um, then I can face other things. I'm much more resilient to face change that, that's happening around me. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. And, I mean, I just think it's a waste of time to go on Facebook and print these big, long diatribes about this is how you're wrong. I mean, you're trying to comfort yourself, but in that way, I think it's a waste of time and effort. I think what you're saying is a much more, you know, a, a better way, a healthier way, correct? Well, I think, you know, if you see somebody say something on Facebook that's a friend and somebody that you know, it is okay to simply respond by saying, I disagree. You don't have to argue. You don't even have to state your point of view. But mm-hmm. if it's in my integrity to say, no, I can't let this, this slide, I just need to let him know I don't agree with that point of view, then I say, mm-hmm. I disagree and leave it at that. I don't have to get into a big big war online because I'm not going to change his point of view. He's not going to change right. mine. But right. it's in my integrity to make the statement that I don't agree with what you have just said. Those right. are the little things we can do to empower ourselves. Well, I, I think that's good. And you, you always give us a good toolbox <laughs> or homework <laughs> assignments or whatever. But with that, um, be, before we sign off, can you please give us some um, 
some framework in terms of where you operate and contact information in case people want to know some of the other things that you are doing and how to contact you? Sure. Uh, there is my website, which is the best place. It's www.duane, D-U-A-N-E, T is in Thomas, Bowers, B-O-W-E-R-S, dot com. And on there, I, I actually have a lot of information about uh, mental health and whatever, as well as the things that I'm doing and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and there is a content you can contact me through that website. So that's that's probably the best information to give is www.dwayntbowers.com, um, and um, um, use that as the contact point. Okay, very good. And uh, will you come back and join us in the future? Oh, always. I I did make the joke that I want my yellow jacket like my SNL jacket, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to take a special one. Delilah, any uh, parting thoughts for the show before we sign off? Well, I think we pretty well solved all the problems of the world today. <laughs> and and I, I totally appreciate Dwayne's advice and hopefully – you know, we this this show will reach thousands and hundreds of thousands of people so that they will take the advice and we live in a more peaceful world. Absolutely. And I I I wish that as well. So Dwayne, if I don't get a chance because I don't know that we're going to have another show before the end of the official holidays, I wish you a wonderful holiday. I wish you wonderful uh, blessings in your upcoming engagement as well and um let's do keep in keep in touch okay all right thank you thank you and thank happy you. holidays thank to both you. of you as well happy holidays to you too thank you delilah you're welcome it, it's been a great show again Dwayne. and uh let's celebrate <laughs> yes all right <laughs> okay Bye-bye. Well, we'll see you next time, everyone. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.